You're listening to the podcast of Williamsburg Christian Church, a community of faith joining God's pursuit of restoring lives. We hope you enjoy this week's podcast. Well, good morning. So, as we move through the Advent season, we're continuing with messages from different folks. Clearly, I'm not Fred because he's on sabbatical, and I'm not Jonathan, clearly, because I have hair. I love you, brother. He'll get me back double. Don't you worry about Jonathan. So today, I'll be speaking about joy. But before I begin, please join me in prayer. Father God, thank you for the gift of joy. Thank you that joy resides within us, just as you do. God, thank you for your presence here today. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would move and work as you see fit. God, if I go to say anything that is not of you, please cause it to fall to the ground and exit the ears of the hearer. I say something that is of you, God, rooted deeply in our hearts. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So when you hear the word joy, what thoughts come to your mind? What definitions? What meanings? Jesus, okay? Okay, the joy of the Lord is our strength. It's scripture. 9 a.m., I already outpaced you guys. Come on. (laughs) And that's unusual. What else? What do you think? When you hear the word joy, what do you think of? A word, two words. Singing, good. Yeah. Um, when I hear joy, I think of the joy from inside. The joy from inside out. Okay. So the movie, yeah. right? All right. So joy with bubbly and the yellow one, right? Yeah, I've seen that a few times. Yeah. Our grandchildren. Grandchildren. Okay. Good. So let's read. Let's start off with our central text from today. Luke 2, verses 8 through 11. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. So the word joy, as defined in the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, is the emotion evoked, quote, the emotion evoked by well-being, success, or good fortune by the prospect of possessing what one desires. Think about that for a moment. Think about the conditions required, the conditions that must exist for one to experience joy in that definition. Think about that phrase at the prospect of possessing what one desires. So on one hand, joy is so much more to the believer. But on the other hand, that last part of that definition, at the prospect of possessing one, what one desires, that part fits our, our call and mission well. The difference lies in the object of our affection and desire. So in the New Testament, eight words 
are used for joy. The main one, which occurs vast majority of times, is the Greek word chara, or kara. Now, if you recognize that root, it's because it appears in other places. One place that we see it is the word charisma, or charisma. That's the word gift. We use it in other ways. Finally, you see the word charis, or charis. You see a lot of children named charis now. That word means grace. So think about that root, kara, which appears in other words, gift and grace. Think about that for a moment. Think about the, the link between those three words. Because joy, as Aaron already talked to the kids, differs starkly from happiness. Happiness exists circumstantially, while joy is independent from our circumstances. Happiness often depends upon our personal success, relationship, maybe finances. Joy, however, is grace. Joy is a gift. It's a deep sense of well-being anchored, and here's the key, in the person of Jesus Christ. So during this season, I'm reminded of how distinct joy is from happiness, because happiness, well, that's, for some people, that's not hard to find during the season, right? Happiness can exist within the gifts, the lights, the festive feelings, maybe your Christmas bonus, family, that's happiness for some, maybe not so much for others. <clears throat> all of which are great things, all of which are things to be enjoyed. Joy, however, in its deepest sense, is not reliant on these things. Joy exists in the triumph and the trial. Joy flourishes in the self and in the sacrifice. Joy lives on the mountaintop and joy lives in the valley. And this is why I believe Scripture teaches us that joy and lament often go hand in hand. Here's what I mean. Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 3. Therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that lay before him endured a cross and despised the shame and sat down at the right hand of God's throne. That phrase, who for the joy that lay before him endured a cross, consider this. Keep that in your mind. Let's move to the next scripture. Luke 22, verses 39 through 44. He went out and made his way, as usual, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. When he reached the place, he told them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. Then he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, knelt down, and began to pray. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will be done, but yours. Then an angel from heaven appeared to him, strengthening him. Being in anguish, he prayed more fervently, and his sweat became like drops of blood falling to the ground. So Jesus is preparing for the cross with much joy, 
while also simultaneously asking his father to deliver him while sweating drops of blood. Hmm. I think there is beauty in this juxtaposition. Joy mingled with grief and lament. Did Jesus approach the cross with joy at the cross itself? Or was it rather what the cross would accomplish? See, God sees you, brothers and sisters. He sees your pain, and he sees the joy that you choose to live into. The book of Philippians is often called the most joyous book in all of Scripture by scholars. Paul spends the letter encouraging the church of Philippi. He's pleased with them. Gives thanks. Paul wrote this letter while in jail. Now, when we think of jail, we conjure up certain images. Maybe even the worst jails that we can think of in America. Paul's jail was much different. Paul's jail was most likely windowless. He was most likely alone. It was cold in the cold weather. And it was hot in the hot weather. It was probably filled with vermin, rats. The water that he was given to drink may or may not have been so good. The food may have been less than what we call food. Paul says in Philippians 4.4, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Here's the thing about Paul. Have you ever had a person that you know quote scripture to you during a, during a tough time? That doesn't feel so good. Maybe it's their motivation. Maybe it's that they want to stomp out that lament by throwing a verse at it. There's a difference with Paul. Paul brought receipts. Paul was shipwrecked. Paul was bitten by poisonous snakes. Paul was thrown in jail. Paul was beaten. Paul was despised by his own countrymen. When Paul says it, we can take that. Amen. That means something. Because Paul brought receipts. In Acts 5, we read an astonishing passage. One that blows my mind every time we read, I read it. After they called in the apostles and had them flogged, they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and release them. Then they went out from the presence of the Sanhedrin, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to be dishonored on behalf of the name. Every day in the temple complex and in various homes, they continued teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. It's quite a passage. This passage almost seems difficult to believe. Quaint, almost. Or perhaps misguided, or maybe even outright crazy. Yeah, passage. Rejoicing that they were counted worthy to be dishonored on behalf of the name. They were worthy, counted worthy to be dishonored. And up there it says that they were flogged. But flogging back then, that was intense. Not just talking usually about simple whips. Sometimes they were using cat of nine tails with bones, bone attached. The goal was to remove flesh. And these men, they walked away with scars that never healed. The 
that phrase, the name, I want to pay real close attention to that because that's pregnant with meaning. In the Hebrew culture, one's name was chosen very carefully. Not just by opening a baby book, baby name book. Names were linked to both character and cause. Whose name is invoked here, brothers and sisters? Whose name? Jesus. Yeah. Jesus. Our joy is linked to our character and our cause. Because our character and our cause must be his character and his cause. See, I thought I knew personally what joy was. I had been taught about, all about the doctrine of joy and things like that. And then in February of 2020, I was diagnosed with a rare form of cancer in my eye called choroidal melanoma. The way the doctors fixed it is they put a gold plate lined with radiation seeds behind my right eye. It worked on the tumor. The tumor started dying, also killed my eye. I had to have my eye removed. A seven-week layoff and then returning to work quickly evaporated, and I never returned to work. Migraines started 24-7, debilitating. Months and months and months went by. Six months after my first diagnosis, I was diagnosed with thyroid cancer. I'm 44 years old. That stuff's not supposed to happen to 44-year-olds, I thought. They remove my thyroid, they remove my lymph nodes. With choroidal melanoma, many of you have either had cancer or know folks with cancer. You know that once the cancer has killed, that's often not the end of the story. Because that genetic material, it spreads throughout the body. My doctors say, you have five years. If you make it past five years, you're good. But within those five years, you have a 72% chance or greater of that melanoma spreading to the rest of to your lungs and your liver, and that's terminal. Folks, I had to dig for joy. I had to mine it deep. And I didn't find it for a long time. But when I began to find it, because of grace and it being a gift, I had to see that it was going to be linked to my character and my cause. So if joy is indeed grace, and our joy is linked to our character and cause, how can your joy be reframed and refreshed during this season? Because just as the fig tree cannot separate itself from the, from the, the fig cannot separate itself from the fig tree, our joy cannot be separated from the character and the cause that we find in him. Let's look at some practices. Advent practices. Remember, practices become patterns, patterns become character. These are practices of joy that the early church practiced day after day after day. You want to talk about receipts? The early church had the receipts. Stoned, put in the arena with lions, lit on fire and used as human torches to light paths for folks to walk down. Thanksgiving. Our minds in this world of sin and death just naturally go into what is negative and wrong with life. Am I right? Just, just naturally we start to think of that. Giving thanks breaks that cycle. It reminds us of what's good in our life. We can try and try and try to find the good stuff. And maybe we can't find it. One thing never changes, the immutability of Jesus Christ. He doesn't change. 
joy can always be found in him. Hospitality, we practice gracious hospitality in this church. Advent is a perfect time to practice hospitality with your brothers and sisters in the congregation, with your neighbors, with folks you don't know, with that man or woman on the street corner asking for money that just needs a question. How are you? Can I join with you in life somehow? Witness as our witness. Community. For many of you, this is a happy, happy, joyful time of year. For many of you, it may not be. For many of you, you may be struggling to make it through this time of year. Maybe you've lost a loved one at some point during this time of year. And this is just a reminder. Maybe it's a divorce. Maybe you've lost your job. Something happened during this season. Maybe you can't afford the presents for your kids. Community, we find others around us so that we're not alone. Because when we're not alone, when we're alone, we're not practicing hospitality or thanksgiving. And we're not finding that deep joy inside of us. Praise and worship. There's a line from a song, a praise song. I will praise you in the storm. Yeah. That's hard, folks. Yeah. That's real hard. Yeah. Whether it's a storm of exams, storm of life, praise Him. Find a way to praise Him in worship song. Generosity. Perfect time. If we're talking about financial generosity, folks, our church has a need. You can see it in the bulletin. Dig deep. Be generous. Be generous with your time. Be generous with your love and your heart. Share yourself with people. Don't just do things for them. Do things with them. Scripture study. Guys, we've got to be in the Word. There's power. There's joy. That reaches up deep inside of us. God is, God honors that. He brings that joy more to the surface. So joy is linked to our character and our cause because our character and our cause is found in Him. And joy is a gift and it's grace. We don't have to work for it. It's just given to us. We have to do, we have to do is practice our character and root it deep in a person whose name is Jesus Christ. And every week when we come to the table, we take delight and partake in this gift of joy. It's not earned, but freely given to us from our Lord. And since it is freely given, we can't dictate the terms to whom it is given. As the late Brennan Manning was fond of saying, all is grace. Let that gift of joy be your strength, brothers and sisters. For God gives generously and freely and his joy is always accessible to us as his church. You're listening to the podcast of Williamsburg Christian Church, a community of faith joining God's pursuit of restoring lives. We hope you enjoy this week's podcast.